Hello and welcome to the second of our three-part video summary examining all the poems in the Power and Conflict AQA anthology. Do make sure that you check out video number one, which examines the first few poems within this anthology. This is a continuation of this first video. So we'll examine the second batch of poems and then the third and final video will uh, examine the final group of poems. And we'll examine the poem's structures, their forms, as well as the language that the poets use. And you'll also learn a little bit about the background of the poets and how this influences what they have written. So to continue, Exposure is a uh, poem by Wilfred Owen. And this poem examines the First World War and the soldiers who were in the trenches, sitting, afraid of an enemy attack. However, we learn that they are cold and tired and they really dream of going home. However, they realise they cannot do this because they must fight to keep the family safe from the enemy. It's interesting to find that the thing that really kills them and attacks them in this poem is not the attack from the Germans. It's not the fighting. It's actually nature, the coldness of the surroundings, the coldness of the setting, the snow, which kills them. And nature really in this case seems to be the enemy. And the poem ends with the soldiers thinking about their own deaths as they wait for an attack. There was a lot of waiting in the war rather than actual fighting, even if, of course, there was fighting. But a great number of soldiers actually died not from battle wounds and not from fighting, but actually from things related to nature, from freezing in the death, from trench foot and so on. Now, the author himself, Wilfred Owen, was a poet and a soldier. He was directly affected by the First World War and he was a, incredibly critical of the war itself. He saw it as a very huge and needless waste of life. And a lot of his poems really reflect this, including exposure. When it comes to understanding the structure and the language of the poem, so the poem is written in a collective voice and it's as if all the soldiers are talking together. It has an A-B-B-A-C rhyme scheme with half rhymes and it reflects the unsettling nature of war. Each stanza also ends with a half line which reflects a lack of hope and the poem is comprised of eight stanzas each ending with the words of the first one reflecting that really they're getting nowhere. The language that's used is assonance, onomatopoeia and very dark and bleak language. And also you can find a lot of pathetic fallacies. So when the weather is used to reflect their moods, it's very dark, it's very cold and this bleak atmosphere is portrayed. So the attitudes expressed are boredom, hope, hopelessness and suffering. The other important poem is Storm on the Island by Seamus Haney. And the speaker describes a town preparing for a storm. And they seem to be confident they really protecting their surroundings and themselves in this location. However, the confidence wanes as the storm edges closer and the poem ends with fear, just as the storm starts to hit. The author himself, Seamus Haney, was an Irish poet and playwright during the late 1900s. In terms of the structure and language of this poem, the poem is written one stanza in blank verse, so it really sounds like normal talking uh, and it uses a collective voice. It's a whole town that's really trying to barricade themselves against nature. The building, um, you know, all of these shelters and so on to really protect themselves. But actually, this is still very much meaningless in the face of the power of nature. 
In terms of structure, the first half of the poem, we find that it's quite confident in tone. However, it switches tone at a caesura. Caesura just means a break in a line, which is either punctuation break and so on. Um, but And this indicates fear. The speaker is talking directly to the reader and the poem uses auditory language and violent imagery to describe the storm. The attitudes explored are um, safety and confidence. However, this attitude shifts towards the end of the poem to fear and helplessness against nature. Bayonet Charge is another poem by Ted Hughes and the speaker is a single soldier charging towards the enemy. We find that during this charge, he's really trying to stay alive. Everything when it comes to patriotism, duty and everything that he was trained actually flies out of the window in the face of his own death. And he really reflects on his fear, which was once patriotism. Ted Hughes, the poet himself, was an English poet and a children's writer and he's regarded as one of the best writers of the 20th century. In terms of the stanzas and rhymes, so the poem uses on Jean Mont and Césura. And the lines are uneven, uneven, and this unevenness reflects the soldier as he tries to run. The poem starts in the middle of a battle, and it has a second section where everything seems to freeze. He reflects on the situation, but he seems to give up entirely. And the poem uses both violent and natural imagery. And it's all about, in terms of its attitude, terror and confusion that soldiers face when they are faced with their own death in the middle of a war. Remains is another important poem and it's by Simon Armitage and this poem tells the story of a group of soldiers who are in a foreign land, we don't know where specifically, however they kill a man who's fleeing a bank raid that he was part of and they do this in a very gruesome way. And the soldier is speaking to us uh, and he doesn't know if the man was armed or not. And initially at the time when he does this killing with his friends, it's very light hearted. However, he reflects on this and is haunted by this when he goes back to his home. He suffers post-traumatic stress disorder and he's haunted by this entire experience. In terms of the author, Simon Armitage is a modern poet. He's still alive uh, and he's a British poet, playwright and novelist and he teaches writing at Oxford and Leeds universities. When it comes to structure and language of this poem, there's no regular form or rhyme scheme. It's as if someone is just talking. It's a stream of consciousness, this poem. And it starts by using we, but then turns into I. And it ends with a couplet of the same meter, indicating the experience is final and will stay with the soldier. The poem starts like a story and quickly becomes a very graphic tale of a man's murder. And the volta, which is a break or a change in a poem, shows a change where the speaker's thoughts turn to guilt. And the language is really graphic and violent and there's repetition news to show how the murder repeats in the speaker's mind. In terms of attitude, the poem initially appears to be very nonchalant, but it ends with a lot of guilt and uncertainty. Poppies is another poem by Jane Vere, and a mother speaks about her son leaving to join the army. She described her emotions at him leaving and then as she helps him to dress to leave and she goes to a place that reminds her of her son. We are uncertain and it's not entirely clear if these poppies remind her of her son that's passed away or if her son is currently serving in the army and she's reflecting and remembering the memories of other soldiers who have sacrificed their lives. Jane Ware is an Anglo-Italian writer and she's most interested in language itself and covers many themes in her work. In terms of the structure and language of this poem, so there's no regular rhyme or rhythm and the speaker uses a lot of enjambment, which is when there's no punctuation at the end of a uh, line and this shows the poem is mainly her thoughts. 
the poem describes a mother helping her son to leave and memories of the boy's childhood mix with the present day though so we are not sure exactly where the poem sits in time and whether she's either reflecting on the death of her own child or just on more broadly the deaths of soldiers at war in terms of the language, the poem uses many senses, describing how the mother cannot touch her son now, and it also uses a mix of war and domestic imagery. The attitudes explored in this poem are loss, fear, as the mother is sad about her leaving uh, son, and her son, though he feels somewhat free to be leaving home, is also launching into the unknown. So that's all for the second group of poems. If you enjoyed this, do give us a thumbs up. Uh, but also make sure if you're seeking for more detailed cheat sheets, revision sheets to accompany your study of these poems, visit www.firstratetutors.com where you can find plenty of model answers as well as revision worksheets to aid in your studies. Make sure you come back for part three for the final group of poems in this anthology. Thank you so much for listening.